Support for Pivot comes from Vanta. When it comes to ensuring your company has top-notch security practices, things can get complicated fast. Now, you can assess risk, secure the trust of your customers, and automate compliance for SOC 2, ISO 27001, HIPAA, and more with a single platform, and that platform is Vanta. Vanta's market-leading trust management platform helps you continuously monitor compliance alongside reporting and tracking risk. Plus, you can save time by completing security questionnaires with Vanta AI. To learn why thousands of global companies use Vanta to automate evidence collection, unify risk management, and streamline security reviews, watch Vanta's on-demand demo at vanta.com slash pivot. That's V-A-N-T-A dot com slash pivot to watch Vanta's on-demand demo. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. If you're a small business owner, you know that it isn't just your business, it's your life. And whatever your business might be, you want someone who understands. That's why you might want to check out State Farm Small Business Insurance. Why? Because State Farm agents are small business owners too, living and working in your community. That means they know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hi, everyone. This is Pivot from New York Magazine and the Vox Media Podcast Network. I'm Kara Swisher. And I'm Scott Galloway. Um, So today we'll talk about Amazon's rough quarters, see Mm -hmm. what's coming for the market. That's a big deal. Also, the FTC could use some TLC. And we'll speak with journalist Trip Mickle about his new book, After Steve, which charts the difficulties at Apple after its founder's passing. I I had an interesting short meeting with uh, Lorraine Powell, Jobs. We're going to do something really cool, hopefully, at Code. So I I was thinking about Apple quite a lot this week. Give give us the dish on the weekend. You were fabulous this weekend. Yeah, I did. I had a great time. I, of course, didn't dress up at all, as everybody else did. I did not mm-hmm. go to the White House Correspondence Center because I did think it was a COVID soup of a situation. I hate mm-hmm. it in normal times, and so mm-hmm. I, I did not want to go in these times because it's this sort of, it's the Washington Hilton Ballroom, and it's, I I just don't like it. I don't, but I've you never went to all the parties. It. The bottom line is I you'll did. take risks, but just, yeah, you yeah, won't I'm, risk the Hilton, but you'll go hang out with Trevor Noah at a bar. No, I won't. That was indoors. It was like totally utterly indoors and it's like feels like you're inside of a petri dish it just does mm-hmm. in general times um this a lot of the stuff was outdoors which is great by mm-hmm. the wa- waterfront in georgetown there's one at the french residence that was fun um there was one uh where was the other one i don't know i went to a lot of parties and they were they were nice and i set myself out on the patios and just mm-hmm. had people greet me and stuff and i gotta tell you scott and i set ve- myself out on the patio and had people <laughs> cr- greet me that is correct well, okay. that is correct okay. that is what i did um and you uh, received was, people i received people that's how you do it. you know i learned that from one of these one of the big agents i can't remember which one it was he said he sits in a place and he waits for people to come to him he doesn't mingle you know there's a he term sits. for that virgin yeah, okay. In any case, it worked. Just a memo to all young men. Don't do that. Go up to people and start talking to them. We ha- yeah. I had so- we have so many fans, I can't even tell you. It was crazy. It was really kind of crazy. On. It was like people Who's the most us. famous interesting person that came up and asked about me? Me. Well, not you, us, oh, a pivot. God. 
Diane Lane likes our show. All these Diane people. Diane Lane? Up. Yeah, I know, right? Like From who? A Little Romance? Sim- and Simone Sanders who used to work for Kamalaris. She was bowing and everything. It was really quite this crawl. Oh, I met Jen Psaki. That was interesting. She's very impressive. Was, is she yeah, going to MSNBC of, right now? Is that right? She's she in- is going, yes. And then I ran into uh, Kevin Sistrom was there, founder of Instagram. Susan Wojcicki was there. There were a lot of internet yeah. type people there, yeah. um, which was nice. Um, Senator Klobuchar was at the, some, some of the things, some of the parties. Senator um, K. Yeah, everyone was uh, everyone was loving on Pivot, Good I have you. to tell you. Good no, for us. Pivot, Pivot, Great. Pivot. Yeah. They were, we are famous in a very weird way, especially among like uh, like TV personalities. Hung out with Don uh, you know. Lemon a little bit, who looked good. He looked D. Awesome. Lemon. He looked great. He's we very gated handsome. up him and his husband and I and yeah. Amanda. We gated up, so it was yeah. good. It was very good. Yeah, let's anyway. just hope we're famous and not infamous. That's my fear. Well, yeah, that's okay. I that's think it's okay. okay these days. It doesn't really matter. I met Tony Blinken, Secretary of State. That was wow. nice. He's an impressive um, man. He is an impressive man. Yeah. He's a very handsome man. And also. he's got very good hair. Um, it just was, I, I can't even remember now at this point. Oh, and then Tammy Haddad, you know, had this White House Tammy. correspondence in her brunch. Tammy yes. didn't invite it, me. That was Tammy pretends to like come. me and then she didn't come. invite me. You could have come. You could have come. This is the famous one that, that she's had every year. And it was great. It was all mm-hmm. outdoors, too. It was at Mrs. Graham's old house, mm-hmm. um, which was, you could be indoors, but I was there. There's this beautiful outdoor area. They had a tent in, um, open tent and everything. And it was, um, it was, I had been there a million times when Mrs. Graham was living uh, when I worked at the Washington Post in my 20s. They mm-hmm. had, she'd have different events there. And it's it was great. It's this old house nobody lives in, and, and it's owned by this guy named Mark Ein, who owns the Washington City paper. And it was cool. It was cool. Mm-hmm. It was very, it was nice for chit-chatting with everybody. It was nice to Do you want to know what I did? No. What did yeah, you do? you do. Yeah, you do. You what? want to know okay. what I did. Yes, what did you do? What so you I do? hung out with my, I was just me and my youngest, my 11-year-old boy. So it was literally, mm-hmm. we did, we did nonstop we watched soccer. We yeah. took walks with the dogs, and we ordered pizza and wings three times oh, from Anthony's Coal Fired nice. Pizza. That's nice. Yeah, that's so nice. It was really that's nice. not what we did. We had we were fancy. Amanda and I were fancy this weekend, that's and we nice. had babysitters. We had babysitters. What I haven't watched. I haven't watched any of it. Was there a highlight? How was Trevor Noah? What is your take on it? It was a bad look for much of a fish. There wasn't a lot of Republicans there. I'll tell you that there were very few. <laughs> really. Um, Biden apparently went to the big one. I saw him on the dais there. I know there are questions about whether we should gather here tonight because of COVID. Well, we're here to show the country that we're getting through this pandemic. Plus, everyone had to prove they were fully vaccinated and boosted. So if you're at home watching this and you're wondering how to do that, just contact your favorite Fox News reporter. They're all here. Vaccinated and boosted. Yes. All of them. They were. There were a lot. There was, I saw Brett Baer, a whole bunch of them. I don't think Sean Hannity was there. In any case, speaking of the White House, workers behind union drives at Amazon and Starbucks may be visiting the White House. That, of course, was uh, President Joe Biden. Um, he was very lively at the thing. And, and mm-hmm. this is a this is a big move by him. Um, and it does, in weird ways, relate to Elon. The reason he doesn't mention Elon is because it's not a unionized shop. And I think that's wrong because Elon is clearly the the pioneer in mm-hmm. electric cars Agreed. and autonomous. I think it's really petty on their house, as I've said. But in, in any case, they're bringing in, um, it's unconfirmed, but if it comes to pass, this would be a reversal from previous statements. The Biden administration would not pick sides in the union efforts. Of course they are. Um, so they may be at the White House. Uh, what do you think about that? Well, it's interesting. After uh, our guest last week, there was an interesting article in the New York Times saying that a lot of the union or the rejuvenation or new life that's been... Mm-hmm. Um, 
breathed into the union movement is a function of college grads yeah, who are making the money that they initially anticipated. That there's sort of it's not the working poor, but it's college grads who've ended up in jobs um, that they didn't expect to be in. That they end up mm-hmm. that there's just more college grads that are baristas than ever. Sure. And that this has kind of brought new life and organizational skills and uh, into the union movement. I'm still curious to see the numbers, if you will, but mm-hmm. the numbers, yes. it's getting a lot of attention. So our yeah. guests last week, um, you know, I'm, I'm looking at the data because I'm, I'm realizing, as, as is often the case, I may be wrong here. I, I think mm-hmm. this is a giant head fake, but I'm open to the notion that there is something structural taking place here. Yeah, we'll see. It was, that was an interesting story. It is a, there is a lot of, listen, if you work at a media organization, whether it's New York Times or Vox, you feel mm-hmm. the strength of the union coming on. Um, uh, within, I, I've talked to lots of managers at lots of media organizations, and they are definitely, um, I think it's diff, it's been a difficult road for, in general to mm-hmm. understand what's happening. So I don't know. We'll see where it goes. And it is, it's is—it's led by what this Times article talked about. Um, and so we'll see where it goes. Um, I think it, it you could really breathe life into, as you said, right. into isn't the union Vox, movement. Isn't Vox union now? Aren't we? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yeah. yeah. But some of it, not all of it yet, I think, or I forget. Anyway, uh, we are not in the union, but um, I have been in unions before, as have you. Um, in any case, it's an interesting time. We'll, we'll keep watching that with the White House, and especially if they focus in on Amazon and Starbucks workers, which I think are seeing the most activity. Obviously, Apple worker, Apple store workers, too, and some others. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Amazon is where the action is, really, um, and Starbucks. Well, I heard that uh, Bezos got divorced solely because he realized his marriage was a union. Get it? A union? <laughs> Come on! That's good labor humor. That is bad That's labor good humor. That's labor humor. It's bad labor humor. Also, Warren Buffett had some harsh words for investors looking to make a quick buck. The Oracle of Omaha, he just had his meeting, said the stock market has become, quote, almost totally a casino. Meanwhile, Charlie Munger, Munger uh, lashed out at Robinhood, which he said encouraged gambling mentality. He also had some words for Bitcoin, which then Elon Musk attacked him for being old. I don't know why he's doing that. What a surprise. But um, that's not to say Buffett and company hate gaming per se. He revealed that he had a 9.5% uh, in Activision, which was interesting, which means he's done rather well. He said the buys are his bet that Microsoft deal will close. I guess he just did it. Interesting. Warren, I like when Warren Buffett, I like when people get mad at him. I like mm-hmm. his whole like grumpy man thing, older man thing. So, what do you think about this? I think Warren Buffett is an American hero. I mean, let me mm-hmm. let me be clear. He's pulled off a little bit of a Houdini, and that is, it's it's kind of a hedge. It's an insurance company posing as a an investment firm. The majority mm-hmm. of their profits come from reinsurance. Insurance is you know the business that keeps on giving. I've said several times. Find me. If you meet somebody who makes a half a million dollars a year and is kind of likable but not very smart, mm-hmm. chances are they're in insurance. It's just an, an unbelievable business that plays off of fear, has all sorts of regulatory capture. And Berkshire Hathaway is essentially a, an insurance company. Mm-hmm. Warren Buffett, though, he's yeah. nice. He he doesn't consume a lot. He mm-hmm. has very interesting oh, perspective. you haven't had dinner with him. Yes, he does. But well, go you ahead. know what I mean. He doesn't have a – he's not on a he boat. He ate his meal, a giant plate of – of French fries and potatoes and half of my meal, but go ahead. Fine. I can't believe he hasn't, it just hasn't exploded, but go ahead. Go ahead. What I mean is he lives, I think he lives in the same house. He's been married for 50. uh, He just strikes me as a a nice representative of America Mm -hmm. versus versus some of the other folks that are getting a, a lot of attention. 
And I think he's, uh, my sense is he's a good man. And I think he's a good role model. And I like his approach to investing. He likes to say we only buy stuff that we want to be in for a long time. He admits his mistakes. Yeah. Um, I just like his he, approach. He answers the phone. It's very strange to call there. I called the, the begin like sort of early in the internet phase because he was very anti-internet, which I thought was a wrong call by him because he, he said he didn't understand it. And I get that if he didn't yeah. understand it. He missed quite a lot of upside by not being as big an internet investor, obviously, but he's an Activision here. Um, so I was, I called him to ask, get a quote when I was at the journal at the time. I was like, this guy should be in the internet space. Like he sort of didn't, he thought it was also a casino, much of it. And much of it, some of it was. Um, and I I called, said, I thought I was getting a PR person, right? So I called in, I, I got his secretary directly. And then he comes on the phone. Yeah, I, I, He was like, hi, Kara. And I'm like, hi, Warren Buffett. It was so strange. And huh? that's happened several times. How old is he now? I think the guy's an inspiration. I, and I don't know. This was many, many years ago, but I had dinner with him relatively recently, before, just before But COVID. you could summarize um, this year's, you mm -hmm. know, they call it Woodstock and Rose. You could summarize it with one statement. Told you so. They're literally, what? oh my gosh, are yeah. those guys uh, feeling their oats, like going after. Yeah. Also, I, I, thought, I think, I don't like it when these I think he deserves more deference than a lot Agreed. of these new hedge fund managers Agreed. and these libertarian weirdo takerists. It's his the record. Guy, it's his record. He doesn't good, like cryptocurrency. I think he's wrong right, about the, that the one too. The, the crypto and Tesla Taliban come for anybody. If yeah. I mean, I, I'm not comparing myself to Warren Buffett, but when I mm -hmm. talk about Ethereum being an interesting one and I could see a, a bull case for Ethereum because of NFTs, people are like, you know, he's not that bad. But if I don't mm -hmm. say... Bitcoin, I don't understand how it's going to be worth 100 That Everyone's like, oh, he doesn't get yeah. it. They're just yeah. so binary they are. in their assessment are. of everything. And also, yeah. but at the same time, I don't think it makes any sense for Charlie Munger to call Bitcoin evil. It's not evil. Yeah. I mean, it really— Yeah, I, I, thought, I think they should <sighs> consider it. Both of them should consider it, at least. You know what I mean? And not—it's it's not similar to what they did around the internet, but, like, you can—I'd like to hear what they think actually looking at it. That's what—instead of doing sort of a broad brush, I would have liked to hear their thoughts on it. And their well, here's the problem. When, you, when you're a little bit older and you don't understand something, you have a mm -hmm. tendency to want to dismiss it because it threatens your way of thinking, uh, right? It's I, a bit of a knee-jerk reaction. Where yeah. I do think they get it right is basically the way they go after Robin Hood. I, yeah. I, I just, they look at this thing and they go, okay, this is just yeah. bad for the world, you know, bad for the planet, mm -hmm. a terrible investment. Uh, I think they got it right there. But this was their kind of like, I told you so meeting. The last few years, everyone's mm -hmm. like, oh, Kathy Wood at ARC, she's the new Warren Buffett. Mm -hmm. And all these yeah. people saying, I'm the new Warren Buffett. And no, no, yeah. Warren Buffett is still Warren Buffett. And Yep, uh, I would agree. It's a marathon, not a sprint. Yeah, 100%. so good for him. I think he's an inspiration. Yeah, yeah, it was interesting. I still think you should reconsider cryptocurrency. Anyway, let's go to our first big story. The 2022 Reaper has come for Amazon. The commerce giant issued a disappointing earnings report last week. Some lowlights, Amazon missed its earnings target. It reported a loss of nearly $4 billion for the quarter and had its slowest year-over-year -year growth in two decades, which is probably not a surprise coming out of the pandemic. The market took notice on Friday, Amazon shares fell by 14%, wiping out over $200 billion off its market cap. It did a Facebook face plant, mm -hmm. essentially. That's the stock's biggest one-day decline in 15 years. And Amazon's not alone. In April was NASDAQ's 
worst month since 2008. And there could be bad, more bad news for the stock market, which many people have been predicting a correction of, of a significant amount. The Fed is expected to raise rates because of inflation on Wednesday. It's going to be doing a lot of raising of rates. What do you think, Scott? What do you think? Talk, give us some little Scottness. Um, I'm just going to give a couple more facts. The NASDAQ composite, more than 45% of stocks are down 50%. More than 22% of stocks are down 75%. And more than 5% of stocks are down 90%. This is from Scott Galloway. So give us your pontificate, please, if you don't mind. Well, we have an entire generation of of entrepreneurs and investors that have never seen a recession and see it as Mm -hmm. something that is worse against a crime against humanity. And the reason why every fiat currency has ultimately failed is the central bank and governments can't resist the temptation to be loved and pump trillions Mm -hmm. of dollars of stimulus into the market to prop up the market, which just creates more underbrush that once you have a reckoning, you have a super fire. And if you look at Amazon, okay, I think it's 30 or maybe 35% off its 52-week high. Mm-hmm. And it's down more than Apple. But basically, everything's getting taken to the woodshed here. Why? It is, because it is. I'm just going to look at Tesla today, but keep going. Yep. Well, you've never had, this is what we have. It was stupid to call inflation transitory. Now, it's, yep. it's of our own making. There's no free lunch. We took an obese patient, America, and we shoved 40,000 gallons of dryers down its throat and an overdone Mm -hmm. stimulus. Europe has the same supply chain problems, but they aren't registering the inflation because they weren't as ridiculous with this stimulus. So what do we have? We're now starting to pay some of some of the hangover. And the only way you get your arms around inflation, unless there's some new invention in economic history, is by raising interest rates. And Mm The only the typically every time we've raised interest rates at what people most people are predicting the rate we're going to have to raise them is that you go into recession, yeah. which brings up a whole host of other things. So mm-hmm. y- what you have in the Nasdaq is we're having what I would call a healthy drawdown, especially among the growthier stuff. But no one's mm-hmm. being spared here, and the mm-hmm. fact that Amazon's down twenty or thirty percent, everyone's looking for reason. Granted, it did decline. It's a lot of the pandemic bump is being taken out of stuff. The core competence of any CEO right now Mm -hmm. is storytelling. Mm -hmm. And I don't think Andy inspires people. I think if Jeff Bezos had done that earnings call, he would have he would have pivoted to something else and his ability to to say, mm-hmm. yeah, we, we've taken a loss and position it as a positive because of our mass investments here. The oh, other thing the other thing earned. is if this stock goes below 2000 bucks a share, it'll be, I think, at mm-hmm. about a trillion dollars. I think you'll see a spin of AWS. I think AWS is now mm-hmm. worth more than the entire company. Which Andy has resisted, as you remember, in an interview with me. Nothing like a 40% yeah. decline in your stock price to get you to reconsider your strategy. Yeah, interesting. And if you look at it, I believe, I believe you're going to see a lot of people sharpen their pencils and go, you know what? AWS on its own is worth a trillion dollars. So when a company mm-hmm. is trapped in a conglomerate structure, uh, the market doesn't like pure plays. I don't need Amazon to diversify for me. They're really say, impactful on their actual business. No, it doesn't make their actual business look a lot better. It really helps it. So. Well, the disposition of assets is accretive when it mm-hmm. trades at the multiple of a, of a, of a business that's in decline. AWS sure. is still pumping on all 12,000 cylinders. So, it is indeed. Uh, one, I, I think An- my sense of Andy's is he's an amazing operator. Unfortunately, we're in an era where it's all about storytelling. You know, he ran AWS, uh, for those who don't know that. He was the one who thought it up and ran it and created it. I think he's a Tim Cook, Satya Nadella-like operator. I'm not a, worried about it. There's a difference, him. though. Steve Jobs can't come back. Jeff Bezos Mm -hmm. can. I think Jeff Bezos Mm -hmm. is going to pull a Howard Schultz, and I think he's going to come back in a year to two years. Do you think? I mean, literally, 
being the CEO of Starbucks is like being second lieutenant of Vietnam. You're just not going to likely last <laughs> very long. And when you see this stock for the first time, I mean, that mm-hmm. actually is not that. From 1999 to 2001, people forget what this is like. This mm-hmm. is like we have never registered these types of declines except for 99 mm-hmm. in 2007. Mm-hmm. And it's playing out again. And people are mm-hmm. whistling past the graveyard or they're focused on this other weapon of mass distraction called all this Twitter bullshit. Twitter but what's bullshit. going on here mm-hmm. is is really striking. Mm-hmm. The, yes. the Just the big tech companies have lost the GDP of Mexico. They have. They have indeed. So, they have indeed. Although I'm just noticing Tesla's down just a little bit uh, today. I thought it would go down more. But it has not. But here everyone, we are. Everyone, okay. I, 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 I'm not making a prediction about Tesla. I'll just say this. Everyone, everyone is going to get their turn at the woodshed here. Market dynamics, market Mm -hmm. dynamics always trump individual performance. All right. And this market, there has never been an economy that has been able to raise interest rates at the rates I think we're going to have to raise them to get Mm -hmm. our arms around inflation that has not gone into recession. And to to recalibrate supply and demand, in other words, is what you're saying. There's so much demand and little supply, et cetera, et cetera. You have no choice, but we have no – the only way we cool I am returning the oligarch's yacht I bought you as a present. That's right. Finally investing in our relationship. And now you made me worried. The SSC Alice – I'm on a boat. Oddly, it came with a torture chamber below, but I thought you could use that pain. and enjoy I'm it. I'm not into pain. Like, no, that's okay, not well, me. Right. That's not my thing. All right. Well, you I'll know my safe word, it. right? No. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> that's good. That's, that's good. Um, okay, Scott, let's go on a quick break. When we come back, uh, low morale at the FTC. We'll speak with a friend of Pivot, Trip Mickle. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You've heard it before. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. But it's more than just a tagline. Because State Farm agents are small business owners themselves who live and work in your community. And if you're in the market for small business insurance, who better to work with than an agent who understands what it takes? State Farm agents can help you create a personalized insurance plan that fits your small business needs and budget. Talk to your local State Farm agent today about small business insurance. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Support for this show comes from Slack. You're a growing business and you can't afford to slow down. If anything, you could probably use a few more hours in the day. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Scott, we're back. The FTC could use a morale boost. A survey found that employees' opinion of senior leaders dropped between 2020 and 2021, the year Lena Khan took over as chair, and fewer than half of the FTC staffers who responded said they had a high level of respect for senior leaders. In response, Khan sent agency-wide email committing to facilitating positive change. Uh, new leader, she was supposed to be an ambitious regulator, uh, has, has not been able to do what she has said she wants to do lots of reasons. Uh, so, what do you think? Uh, what do you think? Or is she just forcing them to do their jobs? So uh, she's pursuing cases, but they haven't had this sort of big, you know, high five win anywhere. 
Yeah, so I, I forwarded this story to you because I'm one of the people that was really excited about Lena Khan's mm-hmm. appointment. I, it's just mm-hmm. a great story. Yeah. And I think she's an incredible legal mind. Yeah. Um, I believe that she's in way over her head. And it mm. just seems so obvious. Now, I know a lot of academics, and I mm-hmm. take the most impressive academic you've met. Who's an, she's, she's an associate professor at the age of 31, mm-hmm. kind of a few years out of law school, I think, yeah. is put in Br- charge brilliant woman. Brilliant woman. of a bureaucratic organization with, what, 1,200 employees and three? It'd be like, I'm trying to think of an associate professor I've ever worked with. I've worked at NYU for 22 years. We have a very talented mm-hmm. faculty. It'd be like, like all of a sudden dropping one of them into a 1,200-person company with a 300 yeah. – and I think I don't know a single person that could do that. And we like to look at someone's attributes and someone's intellect, and she's a high-character, incredibly impressive person. She has little to no management experience. Right. And I, I, I think it has to do with them not having any wins or movement. The well, movement's but been slow and whether it's her <laughs> – well, it could be hers. It could be these. They were pushed back on the Facebook deal um, by a judge, and they had to redo their homework. Uh, she may be like, you did bad work before, which they did. Um, and it may be that they don't have any uh, – if they had a win, I think they'd be very happy. It's just that there's not – these cases are going forward, but it's slow going. The court law, court cases are problematic for them. The judges are problematic. But one of the things that FTC employees complain about is lack of information they get from above. Uh, it could be due to remote work. It could be pandemic-related, like coming out of the pandemic. I don't know. I, I – um, Uh, there's so so much demand for antitrust lawyers on the other side, Mm -hmm. um, maybe, that they are leaving. Um, But the the rates are the same of people leaving. I mean, when people, when they quote-unquote say senior leaders, it's really, it's a proxy on her. And one of the most underrated attributes that people don't appreciate, it's a a Mm -hmm. singular, distinct competence, is management. Your ability Mm -hmm. to manage an organization. And people incorrectly assume this is a good person who's super smart, which means they're a good mm-hmm. manager. No, it doesn't. Mm-hmm. No, it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Management yeah. is like, it's like saying this is a high character, good person. They must be a great designer. No, they're not. It's mm-hmm. the same with management. There are, this right. is a unique skill set. And by the way, she has absolutely no experience in a management mm-hmm. role. And you plump her into an what agency. What would you do if you were there? If you were there, lots of people come into agencies with very little, you know, look, Peter Buttigieg is running the Department of Transportation. That's, I'm yeah, sorry. He was he was at one of these parties, by the way. Um, uh, yeah, he was giving an award to some veterans at Tammy's party. Um, you know, he is he's in charge of like the infrastructure money. I as I was sitting there uh, and uh, someone was making a joke about South Bend, or mm-hmm. I was like, oh my god, this guy is this guy qualified to give away all that money? I think about that all the but time. There, with lots of there's two types of managers of what I, what mm-hmm. I found that are effective. Um, and having, you know, I've never run big companies, but I've run mid-sized companies and I've uh, coached and been on the board of, of, of CEOs with big companies. And mm-hmm. I've, there's two types of effective leaders or managers. The first is what I call the inspiring leader. They can stand up in front of a group of people, distill down to very basic understandable things, the North Star. This is what we're here to do. This is why you are here to do it. And this is why this is the right place and the right time for you to be here right now. Mm-hmm. And gives people a sense of connective tissue and that they're working sure. for something bigger. And get, sure. get says to them, when you show up here, you're appreciated. Yeah. And this was a smart decision to be here. And look at the mm-hmm. – and they can paint a really exciting future. That's the inspiring leader. 
Mm-hmm. Then there is the what I call the player coach leader. And that person is so good at what they do and takes such an invested interest in other people's success. And my partner in my business, Catherine Dillon, is a player coach. And that is she takes her chair. If someone is editing a document, she takes mm-hmm. her chair. She goes and she sits next to this person and she mm-hmm. says, this was good. I'm going to show you how to edit a document. I'm Mm -hmm. going to show you how to edit a video. This is where you got it wrong here. And she's kind but very direct, and she teaches people how to be much better players. I'm, quote, unquote, the what you would refer to as the inspiring leader. I like getting up in front of a group of my employees and painting Mm -hmm. the vision. The inspiring leader is effective over the short term, but not usually the long term unless their job is to pull forward the future by raising cheap capital. Mm -hmm. It's the player coach. You even reference this with guys like Satya or guys like Tim Cook. I, quite frankly, I don't mean to be harsh. I think she's neither. Mm -hmm. I don't think she's able to get up in front of FTC and get them excited and paint a vision. And I don't know if she's a good player coach. She's a world-class like – Tim Wu is in the right – he's in the right seat. He's an mm-hmm. inspiring, huge brain. And yet, think about all these people that the Trump people put in who are wholly oh, incompetent. Well, okay, okay. Trump, you're making my point. That's decimated. You're making that's my decimated. point. The, I think the federal government has feels overwhelmed, and especially the FTC. When I interview yep. her – I felt. Remember, I said she seems exhausted already. She seemed overwhelmed. She seemed. She seemed. I would say over her head because she's intellectually rigorous. It was. She seemed like she got in there and it's like we can't do anything. Like they, they're, they're Mm -hmm. inert. And I think if you work at a place like that where you not, you're not going to. They haven't gotten the funding because it got sucked up into one of the bills that didn't pass. Um, You're not getting any kind of wins. You're not getting any. If they had a win, they'd feel better instantly. But Kara, these are the same problems the FTC has faced for the last three decades. Yes, you've never seen this sort of decline in morale. Well, I don't know. I think anyway. people are feeling bad about working for the federal government. I think, um, and also, let me just say again, let me compare her to Pete Buttigieg, which is a much bigger job. I'm sorry if you're going to talk about qualified, then neither of them is qualified really in that in that regard. And 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 by the way, I think they're both perfectly competent. So mm-hmm. I'm not sure. There's a, there's sort of been but what a is sort that's of a good question. Sucks. What is that? Do you know, I, it would be interesting to see similar surveys at the Department of Transportation. I don't know. I don't know if they do those, but she should. She needs to step up. She can be inspiring. I. I still think part of it has to do with who is this young woman of color who just came in here and is telling us what to you do. You think there's a bias towards you know, her by the rank I have file? seen it myself in yeah. my own in places I've worked. I've watched it, and mm-hmm. it's really. It depends on who's saying it. You know, if you see her no de Bergerac yeah, that, and she looked yeah, like a certain way. I don't know. And I don't blame that for everything, but in this yeah. case, I, I believe me, I don't. There's there's bad managers of all kinds. So yep. anyway, uh, I, she's got to get it around because they've got some uh, real uh, real challenges and they need to get some wins on the board, period. They need um, to, they, what, that's exact. Can you name anything right. the FTC has done? They have cleaned up some previous stuff. That's what have they've they? done. Cleaning up is not enough mm-hmm. and getting it moving forward, but mm-hmm. a win, no, no. Yeah. All right. So now let's bring in our friend of Pivot. Trip Mickle is a technology reporter at the New York Times and author of After Steve, a new book that charts the tensions between Tim Cook and Johnny Ive in the years before Ive's departure from Apple in 2019. Welcome, Trip Mickle. Hi, thanks so much for having me. 
No problem. So, uh, so I, I, I've been thinking a lot about Apple this weekend. I've been thinking a lot about my code conference, for example. And I, I've been thinking about how to think about Steve after tw- it's my 20th year of doing this. And he was the very first speaker at our first code. Um, so I want you to just give us an idea of what you're, this is after Steve, the, the time after, which has been a long, long time, by the way. He died a very long time ago in, in real terms and, and in terms of Apple a very long time ago. So can you talk a little bit about uh, sort of your premise of the book? It's uh, it's designed to focus both on what Tim Cook has accomplished. You know, it's he's turned Apple into this multi-trillion dollar company. Um, and then also at the same time, the company has lost uh, Johnny Ive, who was considered a creative soulmate of Steve Jobs. Um, so the literal soul in a way of the company. And then um, more than that, and Johnny's departure, you know, his growing disillusionment was really rooted in this idea that Apple was once a place where art led to commerce. And increasingly in the Tim Cook era, it became a place where commerce dictated art. And some of that's a consequence of just the size and scale of the company and the expectations and demands of Wall Street. Mm-hmm. So you you felt that, I, I would point to what you just said, Apple's never been bigger, never been more powerful, never, you could create a company out of, you know, the software and services has been nothing short of a miracle what they've done there, never good at that, uh, AirPods, all kinds of things. So this romantic idea of Apple, which I've covered since a very long time, I'm very old, um, I always found a little twee, honestly. Um, so talk a little, I did, I was like, oh, stop, that just makes, you just make stuff. So why is that? Why was Johnny so important, uh, in that regard? What is missing given the results are pretty damn good. The results are tremendous, right? Um, yeah. but the results are largely rooted in the past. Um, you know, the, the, are twee, they? the, the, the the Twee era, if you will, um, yeah. is really is really is <laughs> really the I mean. foundation of the success of today. I mean, it's 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 taking the iPhone and saying, well, what can we bolt onto this and and create more sales opportunities out of? Now, whether that's services or whether that's the watch or whether that's the AirPods, they're all laid on this foundational device that was revolutionary uh, and introduced in 2007. But I mean, to to just poke poke back at the the twee idea. I mean, for people who work there and for you when you were covering it, there did feel like something magical was happening. You know, if you go back and you look at the run of iMac, iPod, iPhone, iPad, I mean, it's really, you know, this wasn't just a single revolutionary device. device. This was a series of just um, cultural, cultural shaping devices that were introduced by Apple in that period. So you think they aren't as creative? I, I you, you left out Ping. I don't know why their social <laughs> network that lasted fourteen minutes. But you hmm. you think that that is has been missing here, despite the financial success of everything else. Like you could say that the Model T is the foundation of the car industry, and they people have managed to figure out new and better ways to do it. But you think that it, it, it's missing this, and that's deadly for it, or just the well, way like it if is? You, if you talk to, Carrie, if you talk to people who work at the company, they, fe- they feel this more than people maybe externally feel it. Um, and yes, if yeah, you talk to some sure. of the people who, 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 who have worked, you know, on, on designing some of these products that have, that have been so um, influential in all of our lives, if you ask them, okay, well, what's Steve Jobs' legacy? They'll say it was making amazing products that really changed the world. And if you ask them, mm-hmm. well, what's been the legacy of the past decade? They'll say, Making a fuck ton of money, you know. I think we can uh-huh. say that on this podcast. You know, yes, you may just, say you fuck ton is it's, 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 it's just a, it's it's a different um, it's a different viewpoint on what they achieved. Um, and, right. and 
they appreciate that that's a consequence of of how big they were at the time that uh, mm-hmm. that that transition happened between Steve Jobs and Tim Cook. And nice to meet you, Trip. I really enjoyed reading uh, some of this. So mm-hmm. it's harder to go from zero to three hundred billion where Apple was when Steve Jobs passed away, but. There hasn't been an individual who's created more shareholder value alive than Tim Cook or overseen it. He's gone from $300 billion to $2.7 trillion. So it's, he, if you use that as a metric, he's the most successful operator in history. What struck me reading some of, some of your thoughts was that doesn't this kind of indicate or isn't this a proxy for a larger shift in our economy? And that is – Apple's gone from being sort of a brand or creatively driven organization to a supply chain and operationally driven uh, company. And quite frankly, that's where the that's where the juice is. That's the story of Amazon. And that this old era that we're nostalgic for of brand and creative, the sun has just passed midday on that. And that Tim Cook really is, he's the CEO's added more value than any CEO in history. Doesn't this represent a shift from creatively driven companies to operationally driven companies? And what's the negative in that, I think, also? What is the negative part of when that Do you believe this shit trip? She edits my questions. She edits <laughs> my questions. What's, what's the negative in that, in that? I mean, there's no negative in that. I mean, but if you're, if you're working at the company, that experience is difficult to, to undergo. Mm-hmm. I mean, for those of us who are getting their products, we're, you know, they're, there's a little less of a wow factor year to year, right? There's almost an understanding that, you know, the, the new iPhone will come out and it will have, uh, you know, another camera or more sophistication in the camera than the previous one. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's, that's a facet of it. But Scott, I mean, the book, as you know, having read it, doesn't, doesn't seek to diminish what Tim Cook has accomplished. Yeah, 100%. If anything, like it seeks, I think to, you highlight it seeks it. to accentuate it. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I mean, his ability to anticipate, okay, we're going to, we're going to introduce the watch that's going to unlock some, some new sales for us. Mm-hmm. But we have to have that next step after that and to anticipate that, that they needed that and to introduce services on the back end of the watch. I mean, that, that is a testament to, to what he was able to do as an operator and somebody. I mean, there's an art to that too, right? There's an art to, to being sensible enough to say, okay, well, we need to continue to grow. What do we have? And pulling that lever at the right moment. You know this company as well as anyone. What are your thoughts around the prospect of a car, of an Apple car? Do you think they're headed there and do you think it's a good idea? I think they're headed there. I think the book highlights some of the challenges with why they're having a hard time getting there. Um, One of the things, Kara, to get back to what Mm -hmm. what Steve was able to accomplish, and and the book really goes into great depth on this, Mm -hmm. and Johnny kind of carried this on with the watch, is inside Apple, someone needs to take on and drive a product forward. Steve did that for years. Johnny Mm -hmm. did that with the watch. You know, the AirPods were born on the back end of the watch. I know Scott's Hmm. a huge fan of the AirPods. Me too, Um, me too. Yeah, I think we all are. We all depend on those. Um, but there hasn't been somebody as Johnny became wayward to kind of step in and lead that stuff forward. And not to mention, as Johnny was adrift, um, as the book documents, you know, when he went to this kind of part-time arrangement, there was tension between his vision for what the car could be and some of the engineer's vision. And so that's why mm-hmm. the, the car never, it was never delivered in 2019 as they set yeah. an internal goal to do. But, mm-hmm. I do, you know, they're continuing to work on it. And one of the most 
interesting things that I came across as I worked on the book and as the book highlights is what they did to change the construction industry with hmm. Apple Park. Now, this seems like weird. Why are we going from cars to construction? But mm -hmm. they wanted to do this amazing curved glass in the building. Nobody made glass like that in the world. But between their mm -hmm. deep pockets, their engineering sophistication, and their design demands, they were able to bring on a German company and get them to manufacture this glass at scale. And it's it's opened up new opportunities for architects everywhere. So if they mm -hmm. can do that in the world of construction and architecture, you can only sit back and say, well, wow, if they brought that to bear in the, in the world of auto manufacturing, we could really be seeing something um, incredible yeah. on the roads in the years ahead. Yeah, one of the, the we'll talk about the glasses then because I think they're closer to that. The, the idea of the AR because I've seen Tim in the interim, but one time many many years ago, all he could talk about was AR and Auburn football, which neither I was interested in the first, not so much the second. Can you talk a little bit about the glasses because that seems to still be illuminating a lot of people there. I talked to this idea of uh, of of a AR glasses, not VR glasses, but AR glasses, and where they that is. According to the public reporting on that, they're certainly closer on AR glasses than they are on a car. I mean, they've had mm -hmm. less difficulty in developing that. But again, that, mm -hmm. that has taken time. Um, mm -hmm. and if you, if you look back at the, the watch and the way the watch was introduced, and I, I cover a lot of this in the book, they introduced it early. Um, and it took some persistence to get mm -hmm. acceptance for that watch because it didn't have some of the functionality that people would expect, like time, you know, telling the time constantly every time you mm -hmm. looked at it. You know, you had to turn your wrist towards yourself in order for the time to show. Mm -hmm. um, with with the AR glasses, like they, yeah, there's an open question as to whether or not that's going to be another product that when they introduce it, it's going to take persistence to get acceptance. Um, the last specs I think I saw, Kara, were uh, kind of a, a unit that looked akin to ski goggles. Um, yeah. And it's, it's yeah. just hard to picture a lot of people no. adopting yeah. that. I think Oculus has had trouble with that up to this point yeah. as well. Well, where do you think, if you had to bet, these companies are running up against a lot of big numbers, and that is they can't go after niche markets. They have, uh, I, I think if you look at Apple's um, stock and business, they in order to maintain the kind of stock trajectory they've been on, they literally have to add like a quarter of a trillion dollars to their top line, which limits them. As far as I can tell, it means that they either go into healthcare or the automobile market. I just don't, I don't see where else they can go. It feels like every person who makes over a certain amount of money has iOS, so they can continue to add to that, and then they recast it as a recurring revenue firm. That'll take their stock price up, but. They've got to find an enormous carcass, mm -hmm. new carcass to feed off of. Do you, if you had to bet on what they're going to try, where they're going to try and find that quarter of a trillion dollars, what would your bet be? I would wager it's got to be auto, right? Um, I mean, if you go, if you go back and you look at, it's very perceptive that you that you highlight this, Scott, because if you go back and you look at what they were wrestling with shortly after Steve Jobs' death, they recognized yeah. that they were getting the point where the law of large numbers were going to create create headaches for them. Um, so they were, see, Tim Cook literally said, like, we need $10 billion businesses. And if it's not going to be a $10 billion business, we can't pursue it. Right. And internally, that created some of the frustration because some of the, some of the product leaps that they could have made 
in the in in the years prior, in the decade prior, were foreclosed. They just weren't going to be big enough to make a dent for them. HomePod, for example, right? Like, yeah, is 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 a speaker going to deliver enough sales for a company that large to to satisfy investors in Wall Street? No. Um, you're right, Scott, healthcare, but that's still rooted in the watch and mm-hmm. it's been a slow and steady growth. Yeah. It is a, I mean, if you look at the, the, the wearables business, which includes, uh, the watch and, and AirPods, it is a $38 billion business. It's become, yeah. it's become quite sizable and it's immune from any trust criticism at this point. So. Mm-hmm. They can still squeeze and build that. It's just a question of will it, will they ever turn medical records into something that's that's profitable for them? They haven't they haven't quite shown that they're they're uh, on that path yet. Do you who is the Johnny Ive of that company? Then is there one or do they need one? Um, obviously, there's there's no right way of leaving a company. He was such a legend there, um, no matter what. And he's, he's, you know, as a person, he's so interesting compared to most of the executives there. Um, and Tim goes out of his way to be dullish, right? Trying to be sort of quiet and, 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 uh, kind of brainy. Is there someone there that fulfills that role? That's the open question. I, that's what, Mm -hmm. that's what I'm eager to see, unfold mm-hmm. in the in the decade ahead. If you look back at Apple, the, the real al- alchemy of it has been kind of this series of pairs. Art and commerce. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, the, yeah. the series of pairs, right? Yeah. You had right. Jobs and Laws, and then you had this decade mm-hmm. that was really Jobs and, and Johnny Ive. And mm-hmm. then though, though Tim and Johnny Ive are less close, like they were key to this most recent decade. And mm-hmm. I think the key to Tim's success going forward is finding who he's going to team up with in the future. Anybody? Is there somebody the, you... The early, the early uh, evidence suggests that Johnny Shruji may, that, may be that person. He's clearly brought mm-hmm. forward a lot of innovation in the chip sector that's unlocked a lot mm-hmm. of value for the company in its yeah. Mac business. But nobody like a Johnny Ive character, correct? What Johnny brought to bear... You could argue also is like a bit of a legacy, right? I mean, he, mm-hmm. if you if you look at products in the world, they are already shaped by what Apple has done in terms of its minimalism. Mm-hmm. And so, is physical design going to be industrial design going to be the way forward for in a world where we're increasingly interfacing and interacting with computers through voice mm-hmm. or uh, augmented reality? It's going to probably be software driven, and so so who is that person at this juncture? I I couldn't tell you, Kara. I think that's the other question Me about Apple at Me this neither. point. I can't think. They'd have to buy someone like Snapchat or some like bring in Evan Spiegel, who's quite creative, or you know they could have bought Instagram. Kevin Systrom. You could. Those are kind of more creative types of people. Scott, what do people not understand about Apple? What's the biggest surprise uh, for you writing this book? I think the biggest surprise for me writing this book was just getting such a deep appreciation for how after Steve Jobs died, the creative part of the company wound up having the people who were on the outside, the operators, kind of come into the middle and just how confusing that was for everybody, both those on the mm-hmm. outside who found themselves in the middle and were having to to adjust to how do we how do we build a product and how do we how do we make watch happen? And for those in the middle, working with the the, the operators in a, in a new way, um, there there was just this real period of adjustment in the wake of Steve Jobs' death, and mm-hmm. Apple managed to navigate that. I think it's I think that's why we're we've seen this this value unlocked. But it was not 
it was not an easy road. No, no, it was everyone thought he was going to fail. I remember at that time they thought they couldn't do anything without Steve Jobs. One time when that those stories were going around when he was sick, the one thing he did say to me, he's like, I'm not Willy Wonka. Like he was, he was trying to sort of disabuse people from that he was the only factor that mattered here, which was unusual because he was also somewhat of a narcissist. So, um, so it was an interesting thing that they have managed to go on. But is there a game-changing product um, for them coming up? Is any or any of these the car, uh, the glasses? Is, do you imagine that there's something coming that's really, if you had to pick between those two, which is where they're headed, uh, would that be it for them? Yeah. All signs and all reporting indicate that glasses are first and car is mm-hmm. second. Um, and that's, second. that's largely because of the the challenges with each one and the technology that they have to bring along. Not Hollywood. Make, not Hollywood. Each, not each happen. Is Hollywood a, you know, is that a, is that a new I don't product? So. I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, I've, I'm enjoying slow horses. They're doing I think okay. It's, yeah, yeah, I think it's been okay. fantastic. Oh, it's yeah. great. Yeah. That's great. Agreed. I've always felt that great companies have three or four people that could be the next CEO. Mm-hmm. And you just don't hear a lot of names that, you know, the heir apparent. Uh, are, are there any heir apparents to Tim Cook? There's a tremendous amount of respect within the company for Jeff Williams, the, the mm-hmm. COO, who's now mm-hmm. running the design team and has been really involved in product ever since the watch. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some other names, you know, that Tim has brought into the fold, like Deirdre O'Brien, who also came from the operations side. But do you hear these names often in the same way you say you heard like Jimmy Ivins or Angela Aarons? No. Um, even Philip think, Schiller, remember him? Wait, is he still there? He's still there. Sure is. He's, yeah. he's a fellow. They're all yeah. they're all still there. It's huh. so fascinating with so, this group of people. It's Carrie, really you'd, you'd appreciate that. Somebody was telling me that they'll have to take you know some of these people out in a body bag. They just love they the do. company that much. Um, well, they're also remarkable that they have been together for so long. I, I'll never forget Walt was retiring and there was a little party with all of them. And I was like, was all like the old guys. And I'm like, and they're still running everything and they're still there. Like it was, they were remarkably resilient hmm. for, for a management group, um, despite all the the tensions and various fighting that goes on at any company. Um, I have a last question, regulatory issues. Apple's trying very hard to pretend it's not a monopoly or say it's not, it's been declared not a monopoly by a judge. And their argument being that Android is bigger and in the scheme of all phones, they aren't, but they're certainly facing a lot of headwinds around the app store and the marketplaces and the other things they compete in. How, how, much of a risk is that for the company? They're playing a game of App Store Jenga right now. Um, mm-hmm. They're you know every, every 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 once in a while you know Europe or the U.S. will will kind of poke yeah. at a piece and put it on top, and it's just a question yeah. of when that that uh, whole game of Jenga kind of co- collapses and what that mm-hmm. means for their their business because the App Store itself has been such a driving force for their explosive growth in the in the mm-hmm. past decade. Absolutely. Everybody should read it. It's called After Steve. It's by New York Times reporter Trip Mickle. How does Apple like it, Trip? You know, I don't. The, the, <laughs> I'll the, give you the answer. <laughs> they don't. They don't. <laughs> Just so Tim you know. commented on it. Uh, yeah. On some of the thrusts of the reporting that's at the, at the back of this book, and said that it, yeah. it distorts relationships and and narratives yeah. and and facts and so on and so forth. So that that tends to be there. They don't is my answer to you, and it's a good thing. <laughs> Probably means it's accurate. 
that <laughs> possibly, yeah, anyway, it was very funny. Um, I said no comment when I was hearing some of the complaints. Anyway, I just said, oh, good, I can't wait to read it. I'm so excited. Anyway, it's a terrific book. Uh, again, After Steve by Trip Mickle. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to see you guys. Thanks, Trip. All right, Scott, one more quick break. We'll be back for predictions. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Support for this show comes from the Harvard Business Review. You know, there's this idea in business that some people are born to be leaders. You either have it or you don't. But leadership, like any skill, can and should be learned over time. Whether you've climbed the top of the corporate ladder or are just starting out, you'll find valuable insights at Harvard Business Review. Harvard Business Review is a leading destination for smart management thinking. And on their website, hbr.org, subscriptions are just $10 a month, which gives you unlimited access to the same level of expertise. Things like case studies, newsletters, podcasts, articles written by some of the world's top minds. I use HBR in my research when I do articles or when I'm thinking about what to talk about on Pivot. I find them really interesting. I find them complete. I find them different. And you can find all kinds of industries covered. While much of Harvard Business Review's content is available for free after signing up at their site, subscriptions to unlimited content start at only $10 a month. What a bargain. Go to hbr.org slash subscriptions and enter the promo code PIVOT right now to get 10% off your subscription. Again, save 10% off your HBR subscription. Go to hbr.org slash subscriptions and enter the promo code PIVOT. All right, Scott, it's time for predictions. I'd like you to make one. Please do. I think that, so uh, as I was saying, everyone's getting their kind of turn, at, you know, at the woodshed here. And that is, mm -hmm. it just doesn't seem like anyone gets out of this alive. Like, it, there's just very few companies that are going to go untouched from their pretty significant, um, a pretty significant drawdown. And I, I, I just think everyone's in this consensual hallucination that we can continue to avoid recessions forever. But anyways... The company that, because of this weapon of mass distraction called the shit show at Twitter, we're not talking mm -hmm. about a lot of stuff that's really important. But I think that's business mm -hmm. story that a lot of people are missing is what Netflix did to the entire media ecosystem. They basically sucked a quarter of a trillion dollars out of traditional mm -hmm. media, whether it was movie theaters or the cable bundle. And now they've lost a quarter of a trillion dollars. But what no one's focused on is I think the company that is feeding off the Netflix carcass is a company that now commands more attention than uh, Facebook and Instagram combined, but has a content budget of zero versus 17 billion at Netflix. And that TikTok. is 100%. Yeah. And the company, the company that has uh, increased more in value than any company in the world over the last 12 months in the face of everyone going down 30, 40, 80% is TikTok. And if you look at its metrics, if you look at it has the short form DOPA, ADHD uh, characteristics of this kind of new generation of people that need constant DOPA, 
And at the same time, it's managed to avoid some of the shit show that is Facebook. It does have at least a perception of increased moderation. And it's mm -hmm. basically the most, we got to stop thinking of it as a social media platform. It's basically streaming. Entertainment. Without, it's entertain I've always without thought a of content budget. It's Netflix. Yeah. If, what would Netflix be worth if it didn't have to spend $17 billion a year on content? Mm -hmm. That's what TikTok is. One of the things that's interesting this new antitrust bill that got out of committee, uh, Amy Klobuchar's, the YouTubes of the world and others are all nervous because TikTok won't be under the $600 billion thing. And they might, th that these companies might have to, there's going to be a lot of pushback. And they're using TikTok as the cudgel. As if we don't, if we have to reveal things, why doesn't TikTok? So uh, it'll be interesting. They're going to be in the crosshairs of a lot of the this. Fact that, over these the things. fact that they don't get marked every day because their stock is not public has been such yeah. a huge benefit exactly. for them because this is what would have happened. People are coming for them, though. Meta People has been cut in half. Amazon's yep. off 30%. Apple's held yep. its own. Google, Google is flat, maybe yeah. a little bit down. I bet mm -hmm. if if uh, TikTok was a public stock, it'd be up substantially well, and everybody would be going. Coming. Let me just say people are coming yeah. for them. That's my feel. That's but my prediction. I, I, and and will. then just on an anecdotal level, I was vacationing mm -hmm. with some friends a few weeks ago and they like me have boys mm -hmm. and the dad said, look at this. And the kid said, can we be excused? And he said, watch my 11 year old. And he went over and he takes, mm -hmm. he says he does this every day after lunch. He takes his phone, he lies on his side, he pulls up TikTok and it was so reminiscent. Remember all those images of the monks in mm -hmm. uh, opium dens where they just lie on their side oh, and love life? It's true. I can't watch TikTok because you get sucked oh into it. Oh, my God. It's and so I, entertaining, I just watch as you game. know. And you know what? I, I'm like, this is— Don't do it. You literally, I, I find on. if I go on TikTok, the algorithm, yeah. I can look up Hours. and it's an hour and a half later. Hours. And it's the closest thing to a modern-day opium den. It's so fascinating, especially, I'm telling you, I watched an hour of Air Fryer the other day, and I was like, stop, Kara. And I was happy. I was very happy, more so than being on oh Twitter. I was God. like, I'm getting off of Twitter. I'm going on to TikTok. I have a burner phone. It was weird. It was weird. I, I agree. But there, people are coming for them in any case. I could watch uh, for hours. What is yours? Chiropractors adjusting people. Who would have known? Oh, nice. Dogs, yeah. which I knew. Mm -hmm. And then very mm -hmm. attractive people talking about systemic racism who forgot to put the bra on. I also find that okay. just fascinating. Right. I find okay. that really interesting. There is our entire relationship. I watch air fryer content and you watch that. Chiropractors adjusting people? That one I could see. Who I would, would like have that thought one. that? I, There's you know, a guy in Chicago that. that can literally make like your ankles and your hips. I like, just had a chiropractor appointment crazy and I was noises. so happy. I got cracked in the neck and even the chiropractor oh, was such a deep crack. It? it was such a deep crack that the chiropractor did this. Oh, yeah. like that, which was disturbing. But yeah. nonetheless, it was very pleasing. Anyway, there we have it. Send us your questions. Go to nymag.com slash pivot to submit your question for us or call 855-51-PIVOT. The link is also in our show notes. Scott, that is the show. We'll be back for more on Friday. That was a relatively Elon-free thing. Thank I liked God. it. It was very nice. Thank God. We talked about really important things. Um, we'll be back. I'm sure there's something crazy is going to happen by then, but we'll see what happens. And we'll be back Friday for more. Scott, read us out. Today's show was produced by Lara Naiman. Evan Engel and Taylor Griffin, Ernie Injertot, engineered this episode. Thanks also to Drew Burrows and Mil Severio. Make sure you subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening to Pivot from New York Magazine and Vox Media. We'll be back later this week for another breakdown of all things tech and business. Kara, I will see you on Thursday. Yes. Will you receive me? Will you receive the dog? <laughs> 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 <laughs>